You know, as I was sitting there worshiping, you know, you think like God loves us so much, and then we love God, and then he loves us, and then we love God, and it just grows. You know, and God not only loves us, he unconditionally loves us, which is incredible that in spite of all the things going on, he unconditionally loves us, and it's so cool to have a relationship with God. Just a relationship, he loves us, we love him, then we love others, he loves us, and it just builds. It's so, only God, only God who is the God of love, and it's amazing. Well, tonight we're gonna to talk about self-control. That's the topic for tonight. And uh, I wanna begin by reading out of Galatians 5, which is the key verse. It says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, it produces fruit. And really, that's the key of the whole message, is that when the Holy Spirit lives in us, it produces this fruit. It just, it just happens. It says, and that fruit that he produces is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the next little thing it says, and against such, there's no law. When you live in the fruit of the Spirit, you rise above, and you live in the Spirit, and you're not under the law, which I'll get into that a little bit later, but you know, when you say self-control, well, everybody's born selfish, and really it's the control of self, and everybody struggles with it. You know, kids grown up, all ages, um, self-control is just one of those things that um, is there. You know, and self comes in so many ways. You know, when you think you got it handled, it pops up a different way, because there's so many packages. It's kind of like what we say, and then it's what we do, and then pretty soon it's what you think, or pretty soon it's what you feel, and old self is right there. And uh, you know, in 1 John 2 it says, for the world offers only a craving of physical pressure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements, in our possessions, and John says, that ain't from the Father, that's from the world. You know, another translation that says, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life. And uh, I think if we know God, God don't like pride, does he? He's not, he's not into pride. He's more into being humble. And uh, you know, self is often overconfident. You know, self is kind of like invincible. Self is all about me. And uh, when you see somebody that's selfish, or when we deal with it. It's like, uh, a lot of times self doesn't really want to hear the truth. Um, self has got his mind made up, and it's kind of like um, my way or the highway. Um, you know, self is often unteachable. It can be arrogant, it can be prideful, it can be mean, and uh, you know, self is like, I can handle it. I got it under control, and uh, just, you rely on yourself. And uh, self usually doesn't have too much concern for others. You know, and we can all fall into selfishness from time to time. But um, selfishness really is the root of all sin. All sin really comes down to self, it's flesh. And uh, 
If you've lived very long, I think you've figured out that uh, self cannot discipline self. You know, self-discipline is good. Obedience is good. Accountability, that's good. But all of that in itself won't do it. You know, everybody serves somebody, and really, when you get it figured out, there's really only two choices. You either serve God or you serve the old enemy. And uh, if we try serving self, you find out pretty soon that serving self is really not very fulfilling. Serving self really doesn't do that much for you. As much as you feel like it sometimes when you're all done doing what self wants you to do, you don't feel real good about it. And uh, the other thing is, is that there's consequences. There's consequences of serving self. Serving self will get you in trouble. And serving self will hurt others. And uh, God's very clear that there is a law of sowing and reaping. He says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you serve, um, you're going to reap. So if you understand, I read this book on uh, leadership. And he went through all the things of leadership. And it gets down to the, about the last part of the book. And it comes to the conclusion that you know, leading this guy is the hardest guy to lead. You can lead a lot of other people, and you can tell them the way to do it, but when you try to lead this guy, this guy is the most important person to lead, and he's the hardest person to lead. So, um, you know, self needs to be led and put under control, and it's, the question really is, is who or what is controlling us? And in Romans 6.16, you know, the Bible has got so many verses about this. It says, in Romans 6, he says, Do you not realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You know, in other words, it says, Who you yield your members to, you become servants of. And uh, I figured that out a few times back in the day. Um, you know, you think like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and nobody's going to tell me what to do and all those feelings, you know, like, and it don't work. You become a slave. And your freedom actually turns to slavery. And uh, it's much better to surrender to the Lord. It's much more fulfilling. It's just, uh, that's the thing to do. And he says uh, in Romans 7, uh, Paul talks about this. He says, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to sin that is still in me. And, you know, Paul talked about this war that he had within his members. And he said, I crucify myself. He said, um, you know, he had to put down his flesh. And, you know, we all know that Christ took care of that for us because Christ uh, broke the power of sin over our lives and we're no longer slaves to sin. We're free. When we died to Christ, we died to that old nature and now we have this new life in us. And, uh, you know, in Proverbs 4, 20, see it says, to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You know, every day we have to choose what we allow in our hearts because there's things that come and want to invade our heart. And Proverbs also says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, when you begin to think certain thoughts 
and you dwell on them, you'll go in the direction of your predominant thoughts. So you focus on God, you worship God, you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But you start thinking other thoughts that are not right thoughts, that are not thoughts that line up with God, and you'll go in the wrong direction. You know, there's so many people, they start strong, but they don't all finish. And the reason they don't all, all finish is they allow themselves to get hurt. They get wounded, they get offended. Maybe they get angry or get bitter or they allow unforgiveness in. And we all know that when you allow unforgiveness in, you give the enemy a foothold. And pretty soon your heart becomes hard. And uh, some people, they just don't understand that they need to surrender areas or habits or friends. Um, everybody knows bad company corrupts good morals. And, and company and friends they influence us. And uh, so many times I've seen people, they start strong, they come, they get saved, but they're not willing to give certain things up and it takes them down. You know, sometimes they don't count the cost. And uh, they think that, uh, how many times haven't you heard people, they think they get saved and nah, that'll solve everything, you know, everything's cool, you know. And they come back a few weeks later and it seems like things are harder. Um, it's so true. Yes, they are. Because God wants us to hand those things over and give those things up. He wants those things to be out of our life because those are the things that are taking us in the wrong direction. And when we don't do that, um, we fool ourselves thinking that we can still be in control, like that's what self is all about. Self wants to be in control, but God wants self to be surrendered. And uh, the old enemy, he comes in and tempts us, and hanging around with those bad people draws you back, and uh, it don't work, and then they fall away. Um, you know, it's like sometimes even like James 1, it says, it says, and remember when you're being tempted, don't say that God is tempting me. You know, God never tempts us to do wrong. He never would do that. It says that no, when you're tempted, it comes from your own desires. You know, it's, uh, it's here that you're being, being tempted by yourself. It's like we said earlier, it's the lust of the flesh. It's the pride of life. It's the confidence in self. That's what tempts us. And uh, the cool thing about it is that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in everywhere that we are, yet without sin. What an example. What an encouragement that he could do it, and he's done it on our behalf. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Sometimes you think, oh, you're the only person to go through this. Nobody else is dealing with this. He says, oh, no. He says, it's a common temptation. Like Jesus was tempted, you're tempted, and sometimes you think that you're the only one that's being tempted. No, everybody is tempted. And temptation is not sin in itself. It's the choice that we make after we're being tempted. What do we do with it? Do we say yes? Do we say no? Do we yield or don't we? So it's like, don't think that you're the only person that's being tempted. And, um, you know, but he says, when you're tempted, he says, I'll never tempt you more than you can handle. He says, I'll make a way out. You, you turn to Jesus, you surrender to him, and uh, he'll, he'll uh, make a way for you. And those temptations actually 
work for our good because they make us stronger. We grow. When we are tempted and we choose right, we become more confident. And, uh, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about these people many, many times. In Proverbs 25, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You know, you think of a city with broken down walls, you can just walk right in. You can just do whatever you want to do. And that's kind of like our lives. When we do not have self-control, there's no boundaries. Like anything goes. It's kind of like there's no convictions and you just like, just hang loose. Kind of like, oh, whatever happens, you know. You know, you just kind of go with the flow. And uh, maybe some of us can remember when we lived a little bit like that. The self-control was just broken down and once you go over this barrier and this boundary, pretty soon it's easier the next time. Pretty soon it becomes a habit and a way of life. And uh, it's just like it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And um, you know, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, a very familiar verse, but the last part of the verse, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, God gives us by his spirit, a spirit that wants to discipline ourselves, and that's really the key. It's the spirit of God in us that disciplines self. Only the spirit of God can rule over ourself. And, uh, you know, in Proverbs 16 it says, it's better to be patient than powerful and better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You know, the old enemy, he is so there every day and he always comes and it's like, seems like whatever you're going through, he's always like, I got a solution. If, if you just do this or if you just say this or if you just think this, that'd do it. You ever feel that? He comes to you and you think, like, you should feel sorry for yourself or you should uh, do whatever it is. But he never delivers. It never works out. It's never a solution. You know, it's, it's never, um, you know, he plays on self-pity. He can play on your insecurity. And he just tries to find a weakness that old self latches onto because self wants to preserve self by doing it yourself, and it never works. You know, if you bite on that bait, he will jerk you around, and he will make a fool out of you, and after you do it, then he'll condemn you, and uh, it's not a good road to go down. We've probably all been down that road a time or two. And uh, in Romans 6, it says, do not let sin control the way you live, and do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give your lives completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life, and use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And that's the part that I was talking about earlier. You know, when you live for God, and you live in love with God, and you just sense God's presence, his affirmation over your life, it's a joy. It's exciting, and it's fulfilling. And, um, you know, like Romans, he says too, he says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. 
You know, there's nothing saying that I have to do wrong. In fact, God is compelling us to do what's right. So I want to jump into Galatians here for a few minutes because Galatians is an incredible book. And if you understand the book of Galatians, it's really, it's a book all about freedom. It's a book that stresses the grace of God. It's about walking in the spirit. You know, the law focuses on performance. The law focuses on what I can do, on my works. But grace focuses on God and his love and his freedom. You know, when, when you look at the book of Galatians, it's not what I can do, it's what he can do. And it's what he did for me. And it's when I yield and I surrender and I join my life to him, pretty soon he begins to live his life through me and it's not a performance thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I got to grit my teeth. You know, I got to try harder. I got to run faster, jump higher. See, that's what the enemy would want to try to put on us. And that's exactly the wrong thing. And you know, it's like we're prone to feel that way almost from when we're little kids. Big boy, Johnny. You know, study hard, get good grades. You, you got to do it, you know. And we're prone to lean that way if we're not careful and to feel like all the weight is on my shoulders to perform. And you can't do it. And that's the cool thing about Galatians is when we think of self-control, all of a sudden you go like, ah. And you know, you feel this weight. In yourself, you can't control yourself. But in God, you can. You can live your life for the Lord. And that's why he says in Galatians 2, he says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. It's not performance. It's not legalism. It's not works. It's not you have to be good enough. And if for no one is ever made right with God by obeying the law. That is the, really the message that we want to go home with is that it's God's life in us. It's his spirit living through us. It's God alive in me. And he says later on in this verse, he says, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law and I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self was crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in his son who loved me and he gave himself for me and then I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with God then there was no need for Christ to die. That's the revelation that Paul spoke everywhere. He said all those things that he used to do. He said I kept the law. I was a Pharisee. I was as good as anybody, and he said, I counted it all rubbish that I might know Christ. It's a relationship. It's a love relationship with God that causes us to bear and see fruit comes on a tree naturally. You can't, you know, strive some way. No, if our lives are hid in God with Christ and we're in love with God, self-control just happens. All these fruits, they just happen. We just become a person that is what? Led by the Spirit. We're controlled by the Spirit. 
And, uh, you know, in Galatians 3, 9, he says, so all who put their faith in Christ, we share the same blessings Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not obey and observe all the commandments that are written in the book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by keeping the law. See, when you fall under that, it's like, you do pretty good today, pat yourself on the back. You screw up, oh, you failed. It's like you're on this yo-yo constantly. And the truth is, if you try to look to your performance to make you feel like you're right with God, you're in big trouble. I am so glad that God loves us and forgives us and lives in us and causes us to have this relationship with God, like I said in the beginning. God loves me, I love him, I love him more, I understand his love more, and you just grow, and it just becomes natural. It's not like trying to work this up or perform or be good enough. It's not like that at all. You know, God says, in Galatians he says, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? No, absolutely not. He said if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom by believing in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, we're under a whole new deal. We're under grace. We're made righteous. We're forgiven. God loves us. He adopts us. And then he puts his spirit in us, which is a life-giving spirit. And when that spirit is in us, what does it produce? It produces self-control. It produces the fruit of the spirit. And it's so normal, it's so natural that, you know, when God's life is in us, it says now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham. And God's promises to Abraham belong to us. And in Galatians 4, he goes on through the whole book, really. He's like bringing this point about more and more. And he says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You know, we depend on God. And when you depend on God and you love God, God loves us. And it just becomes this relationship of God living his life through us. In Galatians 5, he says it a different way. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again into the slavery to the law. You know, we are so prone to go back there. It's like, it's legalism. It's self-righteousness. It's like what we can do ourselves, and we can't do it. And he says, so don't go back there and think that you can do it yourself. You know, he even says at one point, he says, oh, you foolish Galatians. He says, what are you thinking? You know, like you started in the spirit, now you're going to go back and do it the old way, and you think that that's going to work. In Galatians 5.13, he says, you've been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. If it's not loving, don't do it.
Let love, let the Spirit of God dictate what we do. And in Galatians 5.16, he says, so then this is, this is the key. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's like good overcomes evil. You know, when you do good and you serve God and you walk in the Spirit, that old stuff just goes away. It's like if it's dark in here, what do you do? You just turn the light on. The darkness just leaves. It's the same way. You walk in the light and all that stuff just falls off. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in Galatians 5.22, he says, but when the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law against these things. That's what we have to get a hold of. That when we walk in this, it's not law. It's not performance. It's not anything like that. God loves us. God loves us every day. And we can walk in the Spirit and we can produce this kind of fruit. And uh, really, self-control is a lordship issue. Self-control is living in God's grace. It's making godly choices. It's yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's like letting the peace of God rule in our heart. You know, God is there every day, like with that little red flag saying, no, 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 don't do that. And, you know, it's like a different way uh, David says, he says, you guide me with your eye. You know, if you know somebody and they give you that look, you know what that look means, don't you? It's like this or like this. You know, when you know somebody really good, they, all they got to do is give you that old eye. And like, don't do it. You know, it's like if you know God, you can sense. He's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do that. You know, another way he says that you possess my reins. You know, when you, when you lead a horse, just a little bit of a tug, and he knows what way to go. And when you're led by the Spirit, God will lead you that way. He'll let you know by his Spirit, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't feel that way. Don't bite on that. There's a hook in that. And, you know, the Bible says that he works in us both to will and to do of his good, good pleasure. He leads us in triumph. And it's like the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, the Spirit of God brings us to himself and we live under the freedom of God's grace. It's, it's so awesome to live that way. And Jesus is probably the greatest example that we could ever have. You know, and when he went to the cross, you know, it was difficult. He said, Father, if this cup could pass, please. But there's an incredible verse, and I want us to remember this. He says, but who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and it says, henceforth, he is set down at the right hand of God, and he's given a name that's above every name. It says, who for the joy. See, he loved God so much, and that needs to be the motivating force of our lives, that we love God so much that we want to do what's right, that we want to obey him. See, love constrains us. Love can get us to do 
what nothing else can. It's my love for the Lord. It's your love for the Lord that will put self in his place because I want to please God. And there's rewards. There's blessings. There's incredible blessings from living a life. And that's what Jesus said. The whole key of self-control is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The key, love God. That's the key. Thank you.